So I'm here with Pastor Bernie, and I reached out to Bernie this week because of the extraordinary times that we find ourselves living in. And, and for me, uh, when we get into unusual times and things are not as they have been, it raises those questions in my mind. And, and I, I don't have the answers myself. So I, I, I reach out, try to reach out to people who I think can give me insight and better understanding. And, and Pastor Bernie has always been a person like that for me. I've appreciated him since he was part of the team at the Forest Lake Church. And so given the extraordinary events that have transpired uh, since the tragic death of George Floyd, I reached out to him this week and, and what he texted back to me, uh, I thought was so meaningful. I wanted to have it shared with the whole congregation. So, so Bernie, talk for just a second with us about how do the events uh, of this recent past, uh, Ahmad, the, the, the runner who was shot, the young woman in Kentucky who was shot in her home, uh, and then the George Floyd incident, how has this impacted you? How has it struck you on a deep uh, emotional and heart level? Right. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to just have the conversations with you. It's always been, you know, we've always been able to have some some rather uh, challenging conversations and, and, and yet productive and, and move forward, I think, in, in positive ways. So, but man, I, I'll tell you, um, and just, it's been heavy and it's been, um, there's been enormous sense of grief. And, um, you know, I want to say those names, um, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Their names need to be heard, and we need to say those names. Um, because, I, you know, it's just, in many ways, it's been surreal for me. Um, I grew up in Arkansas, and I was, you know, my, my family, and you, I think maybe I've said this before at Forsyth Church, but my, my family integrated um, an all-white suburb on the, on the southwest side of Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, in the, in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and, and so this, there's a, there's like a re-traumatizing, if I can use that word, every time we see these incidences, every time we see these killings and these, 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 the brutality in such vivid ways, um, it's just, it's just reliving a lot of that, the trauma. And I, I only have a limited experience of it, right? I'm, I'm turning 50 this year, which is really hard for me to say, by the way, but that's a, another conversation. But, but, you know, my, my experience is limited. My grandparents, my parents know more the reality of, of outright injustice, uh, brutal, you know, uh, violence, the brutality. And, and so it's, you know, but even still, I feel, um, I feel pain and, and it, this has been particularly painful because of the vivid, um, nature of, of these instances and in particular, obviously George Floyd. So I've carried that with me these last several weeks and, and Ahmaud Arbery, uh, especially as a, as a guy who runs, um, and I run all over the place, right? I travel an enormous amount for, for work. It's normal for me to take my shoes with me. And I get a run in. I could have very easily be running through. I, I could very easily be running through a neighborhood and encounter a similar 
situation. There's there's no question in, in my mind. So all that to say is it, there's just been this this um, disruption and a, and a pain and a grief at a very soul level that's shaken me and rattled me like never before. And I, I, I remember the Los Angeles riots. I remember uh, very vividly the Los Angeles riots. I remember um, the stories, you know, uh, cost encounters where um, African-American men in particular have not come out alive in these altercations and these interactions with, with law enforcement. And so, um, but this has been significant in that it's been so overt, so evil, if I can use those words, if I can use that word on, on a much, on a much more powerful level. And so uh, it's been heavy. It's been hard. Uh, no question about it. And, um, but yeah, thanks. That's, yeah, that's kind of where my, my heart is. And I'm still, I'm still kind of shaken. I don't know. I, I, it's been surreal in many ways, and I, I don't understand it. Um, so, so yeah. no doubt your experience is representative of a lot of folks that are members of the Forsyth Church, because we are we have a lot of different peoples from different parts of the world in a place like this. And we do the thing where we turn our heads and we look at one another and we say, these are the people I love. And uh, and you're not allowed, the rules don't allow you to to say, I love that one and not that one. It's the whole group. But how does that become practical and real in a time like this? How does someone like me love someone like you in a time like this? Right. Um, there is a, um, you know, this is a moment that it has, that is just pregnant with opportunity, if you will. And, but it, it will demand enormous courage. And I think, you know, there are a number of words that, that enter my, my mind. And, and I think obviously the one word is, is, is love. And, and we're challenged, obviously, in scripture and, and the great commandment, love the Lord your God, but love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't, I'm not trying to, be, I'm not, I don't want to be cliche, but I think love is absolutely at the heart of this whole thing. And I think love is willing to take steps toward um, people and all people. And we're compelled and we're motivated by a deep love and by and by the spirit of God to to enter into these spaces and not retreat. And you might be afraid, you might feel awkward, you might be like, boy, I'm the last person, my friend that is a person of color, my African-American, uh, brown and black friends, they don't want to hear from me. I'm obviously not, you know, I'm, and I, that's absolutely not the case. And even if it is the case, I would say take courage and, and move in that direction. And it, it, it may mean a conversation. It may mean um, an uncomfortable uh, connect and reaching out. But this is a moment to do that. Um, this is a moment not to retreat, not to become defensive, not to try and um, uh, explain or give a historical and certainly not a political position this is this is time for empathy this is time to be um very patient and 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 to to listen 
one one very very powerful thing we can do right now in these moments is to listen and to move forward with a great deal of patience. And so this is just a, a moment to do that. And I would say empathy should be high on the list. A sense of trying, and, and that should just be a, a part of who we are as Christ followers. Can I enter into the pain? If we are indeed one, if we are unified, if, if this, we are the body of Christ, when one of us hurts, we've all said this before, if one of us hurts, regardless of the color of their skin, but especially in these moments right now where we cannot ignore um, the specific pain that black and brown people are experiencing um, in these moments, that we have to hurt with them and we have to, um, we have to move in their direction and, and not be afraid of that and not be afraid of the awkwardness. At the end of the day, it's about relationships, right? It's mm-hmm. about relationships and, and relationships are hard. And, and this is, this is not going to be easy if we're going to experience unity and, and experience, um, you know, John, John 17, Jesus said, please God, you know, his final, his prayer was to make them one. Right. And oneness doesn't come with a, some pain and some difficulty and some hard stuff. And, and we're just at that moment right now. Um, and I would just say move in that direction, communicate what one, one word of caution for my white brothers and sisters, don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about your hurt. Don't make it about your tears and your crying. Don't don't turn the spotlight from that which needs to be addressed in such significant or such direct, you know, uh, injustices that are highlighted right now. Don't turn it away from that and make it about you. It's got to be about um, what black and brown people are walking through and experiencing the pain that is there, not your own. Um, so I would just caution that as you move in that direction, you'll be tempted um, to, to just mourn and weep. And there's place for that. Don't get me wrong. But make sure you allow space for your black and brown brothers and sisters to weep and to mourn and to walk through that pain. Um, yeah, that would be just a word of caution as you move in that direction. That's outstanding. So, there, interestingly, I think there is there is a point at which there is cause for some optimism. But before we talk about that, I want to I want to go a little deeper with the Forest Lake Church and where it is right now. So we yeah. talk about this community as a multicultural community, and it really is. There's people from all over the world and a lot of different races, a lot of different folks, but. Uh, even in the midst of it, there's some things we need to acknowledge with it. For example, people my age, which is 55, and older in our community tend to look more like me. Not exclusively, but the older generation tends to be more of a European uh, origin. But if we look the other direction, from 35 down, say, the, the, <clears throat> the multiculturalism within the community is remarkable. And you can even see this reflected in the church staff. <clears throat> the pastoral staff, my age and older, uh, is European. But the younger ones we brought in, we have Asian, Hispanic, all these different ones. You don't have to be a genius to see where the future is. 
and you just pay attention to the kids and you just pay attention to who's coming to Sabbath school. We need to get this in our heads, but, but here's something I've noticed and I'm interested in you commenting on it. Um, we've struggled to find that integration, particularly African-American integration into the primary leadership core of the community. Right now, one example, pastoral staff. Uh, we used to have this guy I really liked, but then he went and worked for World Vision. Um, but uh, we tried specifically, uh, as we had a number of positions to fill recently, we really very much wanted to bring an African-American onto the staff. And it just never quite worked out it's not simple. It doesn't seem to just fall into place sometimes. And when I take a hard look at our church board or our adcom or the different groups, the the representation there, particularly of African American leadership at the primary leadership levels of the community, I don't see it at the at the same level. What do we need to do here? What can we do on this? So that that's such a um, you're right on. I mean, you 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 very much articulated the you know what i've observed in my time and in, in being a part of the community of course like church and and uh, i think it's, it's right on and, and obviously we've seen and uh, what we're going to see going forward what we've already seen this an, an integration begin to happen and in the you know in many of our what were predominantly white caucasian churches we've seen a if you will uh, an integration and a, and a browning, if I can use that word, of these communities, and that's brought a that's brought with it a certain dynamic of a certain level of white flight, if we're being honest, um, for whatever reason, and and then then it's brought on this 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 uh, this opportunity for for people of color in particular to step into uh, leading the churches and being a part of um, of of. Of these and integrating into these communities, so yeah. So the truth, the truth of the matter is the same has happened at Force Lake and as you as you uh, spoken of. And I think, um, yeah, we're, we're, you're faced with this opportunity still um, to try and see where how can we how can we begin to have black leaders in these new in the new reality of church, right? And like I said, this is going to be the future. We know that's going to happen. But how do we make sure that there is a, um, that leadership is beginning to change with the, the, the community as well? And I think there's just got to be more, um, there's got to be a lot more conversation. I, I think there's probably got to be, um, you know, I, I think you, you went through a process and you looked at, you know, black and brown candidates for pastoral positions. I think that's part of the process and should always be a part of every process, even in the church as the nominating committee or however you arrive at leaders in the church, that, that that process at some level has to be followed. And the current leaders that are in place have to be looking. Uh, you, you alone, Jeff, can't be responsible for having your eyes wide open to the spectrum of potential leaders that you have in your church. So I think every leader is now responsible to say, in my area, in my division of the church, whatever I lead, I want to make sure that that I'm that, that there are going to be people uh, that are that there's the, the word is inclusion, right? We often use the word diversity, but diversity only 
addresses part of the conversation. It's diversity and inclusion. I would say Forest Lake Church has an enormously diverse congregation, right? If I look at church on Sabbath morning, there's, there's a pretty broad diversity of, of, of people in the church. But the question becomes at what level are they also included? Um, and to what extent do they feel like there's an invitation to be included or what barriers are in place that would uh, exclude them from that? And those are all based on perceptions and, and things that are probably may not even be true. Assumptions uh, play into that. And, and it's all kind of stuff that, that, that the devil throws in to keep everybody separate. And I think, I think Forest Lake, I think with your leadership, with the leadership of the, the, the black and brown and, and, and white people on your staff, we can overcome that. That's, that's, a, that's a barrier that can be overcome and, um, and you can move towards, more towards a place of inclusion, even, even at, especially at your board level, um, because then you have, you have other eyes that are looking and thinking about diversity and inclusion. So, yeah, you know, the board is probably going to have to be a place where you take a strong look at that. And it's, it's a diversity of, of both of, of colors, if you will, of ethnic backgrounds, et cetera. But it's also a diversity of, of I would say, of, of experience, life experience and background and history. And you may need to tap people who don't necessarily have um, the same kind of upbringing in the faith even. Um, maybe you find, you know, someone or, or people that have, um, you know, they, they come from, they haven't come from all the Seventh-day Adventist schools and so forth, but they've got a different background. And they come with a, a, a diversity uh, that way as well, along with some ethnic uh, diversity as well. So, um, yeah, uh, but I think you're poised, especially in this moment, to take action. I would also challenge my black and brown brothers and sisters that are in the Forest Lake Church um, to step forward and be open to leading at a higher level in the church, at the board level, um, at, at, a, at a more visible place in the church, even uh, beyond just participating in the worship service, um, but being, uh, being a major influencer to the future of the church and shaping the vision going forward, not just participating in the vision, but actually participating in the shaping of the vision going forward for the church. Because like you said, the future of the church is absolutely one of, of greater diversity and hopefully it'll be, it'll also include uh, inclusion along the way. So that's, that's wonderful. Thank you for, for putting it in that perspective and helping us see where the opportunities lie. And I think, I think this is an interesting time and I think there is some opportunity right now. And I want to talk about that for a second, but I want us to keep clear in our minds a couple of things. One is that that the tension of all of this has led to some negative outcomes. And we all agree that the the breakdowns and the rioting and the looting and all of those things is not where any of us want to be on it. Where we want to be on it really is the stuff that's happening during the day where where we've got people marching uh, from all different groups, sharing together a common cause, even the police marching at times with protesters in different settings in ways I've not seen before in my life and a willingness for people to step forward and be counted among another group as for that the, the looting and rioting let me just say this about that uh 
sow to the wind, reap the whirlwind. Um, we, for a long time, have have uh, kept things over here, not been willing to really talk about it. And when you do that, there is a tension and a and, and that grows. And in the hearts of the unrighteous, if you'll forgive the term, because there's a lot of people out there just doing bad things out of the darkness yeah. that's in their hearts. But, but let us embrace at least a piece here of our own responsibility for sowing to the wind for a long time. There you go. This is what happens when we don't have these conversations, when we don't address these issues, because the only way to stop this is for us to stop it together. Yes. And if we're not together, we can't stop the evil from arising in our midst. So, so yeah, none of us are for looting. None of us are for that. But let's set that over here on the side and just recognize this is the evil that results sometimes right. from our processes and from some of our systemic issues. But having said that, do you see anything out there right now that gives you optimism in your heart? Yeah, no, and I just want to affirm what you said. Um, I know there's a quote that's been making its way around that, you know, the rioting, the, the, the rioting and the protesting is the language of the unheard and it's contributed to MLK. And so, yeah, I think you, you're right uh, in your, in how you described and articulated that indeed we are, we're reaping the whirlwind, if you will. So, um, but I mean, I am, I'm naturally an optimistic person. I just am. That's the way I'm wired. And even out of this, I believe that there's going to be beauty. Um, and there's going to be, it feels like we've been knocked back, um, like years, de not years, decades. Right. Um, and so it feels like we're, we're being pushed back. It feels like we, we, we're, we're just in a, we were, we're in a worse place than, than what we were before all of this started. But I think ultimately we're gonna make great gains going forward. I think this will move the conversation forward. Uh, you know, in the, in the broader culture, I, I believe we, we will make progress there as well. But in the church, I would hope and pray and plead with God that we would indeed make leaps and bounds forward. And I'm encouraged because I'm looking at the conversations that I'm being invited into, that I'm having with, with friends, um, and and I'm looking at, you know, if you look at social media, at, at, you know, don't spend a lot of time there, by the way. But if you look at there, some somewhat, you're seeing lots of people engaged. Some of it is not constructive at all, but a lot of it is very positive. And I'm getting text messages and I'm getting all these invitations to talk and to engage. And here's one little tip and note of caution to my white brothers and sisters. You do not have to tiptoe around like you're walking on eggshells right now all right and my, my brothers and sisters especially christ followers what what i do want you to do is to be vulnerable and open and to just be you don't pretend pretension doesn't get us anywhere but it's demonstrated an enormous level of humility and vulnerability and 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 authenticity and just walk into these relationships and that will help move us forward as well Right. I mean, so I'm, I'm enormously, that's what I'm seeing. I'm just seeing people say, and I don't know that they would have said this two, three, four years ago, 10 years ago. I don't know. Right. But mm -hmm. I think I'm seeing a new level of people being willing to communicate 
and engage. And it and it's from a place of humility and listening and learning and vulnerability. And that gives me great, great uh, encouragement. So this has just been a rough, rough, difficult season for us all on the heels of a massive of, of a pandemic. And, and now to, to, to move into this place where there's enormous uh, tension and, and racial tension and the, the, obviously the very vivid images of, of you know, of, of brutality and the killing of, of African-American men. It, it, it hasn't been pretty, but beauty is coming, y'all. Beauty is coming. I, I just sense it. I know that God is in it. I know that there's Christ followers right now. I've been praying more than I've ever prayed, y'all. I've been on my knees because this has been so um, disorienting and hard. But I'm believing that we are going to move forward in such a, a powerful way and that the darkness will not have the day, that, that light is coming. And, um, but we got to, I want us to jump on board with that. I want us to, 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 to be a part of that. And it may demand enormous, it may demand some courageous steps by you and by me. And, um, yeah. So yeah, Jeff, I'm encouraged. I think we're going to see better days. Well, praise God. May it be as you have believed and may the Lord grant us this. Thank you, brother. Enjoy your time. Thank you. Blessings. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.